And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 139, season 3, episode 30. We finish out the third book of Moses, the book of Leviticus, for the third time together this week. The closing portion is known as Bahar and Bechukotai. Also, the reading of the fifth chapter of the book of the Ethics of the Fathers. Sorry about that. And our topic this week is anger. Yep, anger. What are the things in your life that make you angry? What are the things that, when they happen around you, when they happen to you, sort of provoke or invoke or trigger your wrath, your fury, your rage? What are those things? You cut off on the highway, someone cuts you in a line, someone you know, lies to you, someone tells you something that isn't true, someone cheats you. What are the things that get you angry? And what are the things that don't get you angry? Like, you know, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Like, how does that work? What is that? What is that about? Anger is a very powerful emotion. Truth be told, according to most of the literature, anger is a secondary emotion. It sort of is reflective of something that's going on deeper, which we'll talk about hopefully today in the course of our conversation around this subject. And the truth be told, with respect to me personally, angry, anger is uh, had been a, a, for a long time an issue. I had a, a temper growing up, admittedly, uh, that I... I have tried over the years to work on. I have worked on that temper a lot over time. I'm being very open here with you guys about this. And it really is not an issue for me, per se, anymore. The rarest occasions that come up when, I, when I'm angry about something. Sometimes it's faux anger, like I'm faking it or something like that. I'm trying to make a point. Um, but the idea where I'm actually really angry about something, that's something that really gets me enraged and really you know, brings it out in me, so rare. But it happens. It happens. And the truth is it happens for all of us. And so this comes up in the Ethics of the Fathers in the second chapter and also in the fifth chapter. And it also comes up in a lot of other places. So it's an interesting thing. In the fifth chapter, the Ethics of the Fathers, uh, paragraph 10, I believe it is, it talks about the idea of that there are different kinds of temperance to an individual. And the specific kinds of temperaments that it's discussing here are anger versus appeasement. And it's sort of comparing the situations where a person is easy to anger or easy to be appeased or the reverse and what that sort of the result of that is. So, for example, the first one that it brings up is someone who's easy to anger and is also easy to be appeased. So the language that the, the, the paragraph brings, the co conclusion is his gain disappears in his loss. So his gain for having been easy to be appeased is disappears in the loss of the fact he's also someone who easily becomes angry. One of the commentaries actually makes the, the note that really, for the most part, we are sort of on either extreme. We're either easy to be appeased and easy uh, easy or we're difficult, right? So it's either easy and easy or hard and hard. 
So the mixture of the two is super interesting. So the third one that's listed is someone who's hard to become angry. So it's difficult for that person to become angry and it's easy for them to become appeased. So that, the ethics of the father says, that person is a pious person. So there's piety in that. Meaning that it's really difficult for them to grow to anger. Nothing, almost nothing gets them there. And at the same time, that even if they are there, it's really easy for them to sort of be appeased and to cool down and to calm down. That's a very difficult mixture in an individual. Like you can see where if someone easily becomes angry, that it might be difficult for them to become appeased. And that's actually the fourth one. And that person, the, the, the statement here is that person's a wicked person. And so it's interesting to sort of think about temperaments. It doesn't say that it's prohibited. Anger is not prohibited. There's no statement in the Bible that tells you that anger is prohibited. In fact, we see situations, multiple situations, where Moses gets angry. We see situations where God gets angry. So anger as, a, as a, an emotion is real, it's powerful, it belongs to everyone. One of the commentaries here actually makes that statement, as opposed to some of the other different things that are discussed in the ethics of the fathers, different things, different behaviors, different actions of an individual, anger differs. So jealousy, we know, jealousy is an example, comes out very clearly that you're prohibited, prohibited, it is a transgression, it's a sin to foster jealousy. But it's not a sin to be angry. The reality of it is that the sin comes as a result of the anger. A person gets angry, what happens next? Where does that anger go? What's the result of that anger? There's a great quote that I saw about anger, which makes the statement that the angry speech is the speech you're so most certainly likely to regret. That the things you say in anger are the things that you're going to regret the most. And so that it requires some level of control. The term that they use, the term du jour, is anger management. There's a movie made on that subject, and Jack Nicholson was in that movie about anger management. I imagine it was not a serious movie. Um, but anger is a real thing. Anger has danger attached to it, right? There's another quote that said the difference between anger and danger is just simply the addition of the D. But they're related to each other. Road rage, as an example, an angry person on the road is dangerous. A person who is aggressively anger in life potentially is dangerous. But even if it's not danger... So the result of what happens when a person is angry, the things that they'll say, the actions that, that they'll do, the, you know, what will come out in that rage, it needs some form of control. It's not simply, as the joke goes, I don't need uh, to control my anger, I just need people not to make me angry. That's not sufficient here. So we have to sort of think about anger in a way that it's manageable and something that it's workable and something that is sort of fixable and it's a great thing as a leader to really work on, to really work through what are the things that as a leader make you angry? What are the actions of members of your team, your colleagues, coworkers, co 
defiance that make you angry? Could it be, you know, is it that they don't produce on time? Is it that they are not, you know, participating fully in the conversation? Is they're not, pull, they're not pulling their own weight? Are they undermining in some other way? Whatever it is, it's there. So what do you do with it? How do you handle it? How do you manage that kind of situation. So anger is a very serious thing. It's something we really want to work on. It's something we need to do a lot about and actually that we can. It's a great quote from Deepak Chopra. If you try to get rid of fear and anger without knowing their meaning, they will grow stronger and return. The truth is that if we don't, if we don't get to the root of it, if we don't get to the root of it, we're never actually going to, un- we're never going to remove it. We're never going to fix it. We're never going to work on it. We're never actually going to get anywhere with the anger that we, that we hold, that we harbor. To uh, learn sort of an inspirational lesson, the, uh, Nelson Mandela was asked about his anger, how he felt towards those who had imprisoned him for all those years. And there's a great quote from him which says as follows, as I walked out the door toward my freedom, I knew that if I did not leave all the anger, hatred, and bitterness behind that I would still be in prison. It's the anger holds a person back. The anger is a bit of a cage. It's a bit of a prison for a person because it holds them back from perhaps getting where they want to be, accomplishing what they want to accomplish, and being who they want to be in their lives. And as Eckhart Tolle said, where there is anger, there's always pain underneath. And so that's where we want to sort of think about the work that's necessary. Some great literature on the subject of anger and what causes anger and what's at the root of the anger. And so not too long ago, I was working with someone one-on-one, a coaching environment, and anger was one of the things that this person wanted to deal with. I don't know all the people who listen to the podcast. None of you know this person. Okay, It's not you. It's not you and it's not me. I was trying to work on anger, among other things. But anger was like a thing. And so what do you do in that space? Like, what's, what's that? Like, how do we, where do you start with that? So the first thing we worked on was the idea of it appreciating that it is totally normal and understandable for people to get angry. It's also healthy and helpful to appreciate that it's not beneficial. And so that it does need the work. That when we're talking about the use case for anger, there's not a lot of use case for positivity with respect to anger. Maybe in the space of what you might call uh, moral outrage or justifiable anger with respect to seeing something in the public domain and that anger boils over communally as, we've, as you've seen in certain situations, certain circumstances, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, things like that, uh, anti-Semitism you know, in in certain places at least, where the anger sort of boils over and it's sort of taken and it's dealt with at a communal, maybe even, uh, you know, national level, that is maybe some sort of a justifiable version of anger that might exist. But in the one-on-one environment, what do you do? So the first thing we worked with, the first thing we dealt with was the following two questions. Three questions, sorry. Are you overreacting? Right? So... Are you overreacting to the situation that's in front of you? That's one. Are you, are you directing your anger at the right person? That's two. 
Number three, are you taking something personally? These are three really powerful questions to sort of start with, right? Like, is what you're act reacting to, is your reaction some sort of like an overreaction? Are you going too far with this? Like, in, in the space of um, like some sort of disproportionate reaction here, is your reaction to what's happening, like when you look at it sort of coldly and externally from 30,000 feet, does it make sense? Is it an, a, a legit reaction or is it an overreaction? That's one question. Question two then is, now that you are angry in this situation, are you angry at the right person, quote unquote? Are you directing that into the right domain? That's two. Number three, is it related to something that you're taking personally as a response? Are you viewing this as something that's affecting you? And is that true? Is that actually true that it's personal towards you? So that was where we started the conversation. These are very powerful types of things. When you go along those lines, you start to ask questions like that. You're able to then also distill sort of what the circumstance was, what the trigger was, what the reaction was, all those pieces. And as you begin to go deeper, you appreciate that perhaps it's something else other than anger. And again, it's not psychology. This is towards coaching, finding a solution, a set of strategies for implementation to become better as a leader and better as a person. So that distillation of the circumstances the situation is very powerful. Along the same lines, two additional very powerful questions to ask this person, and I didn't ask this person, but I should have. How do you want to be perceived as a leader in your organization? So that's you. How do you want to be perceived? And how do you think others perceive you as a leader now? You know, it's in the context of anger, do they see that? Is that impacting the way they view you as a leader? Positively, most likely negatively. And then in relation to that, how do you, how do you want to be seen? So when people describe you to others, is anger something you want on that list? Clearly the answer is no. But it's important for the person to sort of sit in that conversation for a second and then make the statement, okay, I don't want that. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want people to see me that way. I don't want that to be their reaction when they think about me, when they talk about other talk to other hirees potentially and mention, oh, the boss is an angry soul. Like that is not, that is not good. You have to feel the energy behind it. So now once you have figured out sort of how the person thinks about it, how the person perceives it or wants to be perceived, then you can get to the triggers that's underneath it, the energy that is breathing life into that anger. And then it's our ability to sort of now do the work on top of that. I just saw today in an article what effectively comes down to some sort of what I would call an anger equation. When you think about something that I mentioned at the outset, which is why do certain things make me angry and not other people? 
and vice versa. And why do sometimes certain things, or in the past it did and now it doesn't? What's going on? So it's sort of like what I would call an anger equation that you can develop, which was based on the writings of Dr. Uh, Jerry Deffenbacher. And it's a combination of things. And here's the equation. It's the trigger event. So it's the thing itself that made that, that brought the anger about, plus the nature of the individual, right? So their personal nature, plus their appraisal of the situation. That will either equal anger or not anger. So it's the mixture of those three things. So something very minor, even for an angry person, doesn't make them angry. And something very major, for sort of a mellow, mild person, doesn't make them angry either. So it's the combination of trigger plus nature plus appraisal that equals that kind of situation. I think that's an interesting way to distill it because then when we're talking about it as people and we're talking about it in a coaching environment and others, you're able to really break it down and figure out what's, okay, what's really going on here, right? It, what are the triggers? What's causing me to be that? Now, it could be my emotional state. It could be other things going on in my life. It could be, uh, you know, specifically a person in front of me or a work-related situation that's in front of me that's getting me angry. It's any of those things, but it's unpacking those things which allow us to really get to those spaces and really help. And then it is really managing it, measuring it, and then working in those situations to reduce what's going on as a result. A lot of the time for people I've found is there's some sort of an expectation that's not being met. So they're, they expect to be viewed a certain way, treated a certain way, and they're not, so it gets them angry. Um, they're expecting a certain outcome from a situation. It doesn't come, they get angry. Often as a res- sort of a precursor to that is some sort of lack of communication or lack of awareness with respect to those et- expectations, which leads to that anger sort of uh, fomenting and coming to, the, coming to the top. So it really requires a lot of deep work uh, around, around it. And so with respect to an individual, that's where I would want to start. I would want to start with the person identifying Let's identify what are the things that trigger your anger? What are the hot button issues? That's one. Two, when that comes up, when those things are in fact in play, so what happens to you physically? Do you tighten up? I know that when I get angry, I sort of feel a lot of tension in my shoulders, in my neck, in my chest, right? I can feel myself getting hot uh, in, in, in that space. I'm trying maybe desperately to control it. I'm trying not to lose it. I'm trying not to yell. I'm trying not to say something I don't want to say. But I feel the personal, the trigger. So I know what those are. Now, what are my alternatives to the angry, rage, wrath reaction? What else can I do there? So I can try to breathe, right? We talk a lot about breathing, right? I could try to breathe. I could try to take a second or two or three before saying what I want to say, giving my chance, myself the chance to say what I should say or what is a better version or a calmer version of what it is that I want to say. I will mantra myself for a moment and say, I'm not going to take this personally. 
And if it doesn't work, like none of those things work, call timeout. No joke. And a lot of the literature and a lot of the work with people around this, just call timeout. Just so you know what, in this situation, I, I just need a minute here on this subject and take a timeout. I would hope that people would appreciate that. I think that's a very vulnerable and honest statement to make. But call a timeout right there on the spot. Get out of the room. Even say, I know Brene Brown writes a lot about this. This is not working for me. And then take a minute, get your stuff together, and then come back. Don't walk out and never come back. Come back. Sort of a rational, more controlled, settled manner to discuss the issue at hand. I think that's totally appropriate. I think I would totally appreciate if that was the case with someone that I'm working with, that they take a minute, they go breathe, they go for a walk. If they have a a punching bag nearby, they go hit the heavy bag. I think that's great. Just get some of that out, however it is that you get that out. And then come back. Because in that way, you're accepting sort of ownership and responsibility and you're accountable for it. And you obviously clearly don't want to lose it in that moment. You want to control it. You want to maintain it. It's obviously still something that bothers you, but the outburst isn't there. The regret for having said something you don't want to say isn't there either. You're working to control it. That's big stuff. That's a big person right there. And it's important that we appreciate that that's actually true. So there's a lot of things that we can do in those situations, which I think can be very, very powerful, that allows us to really control the situations. Now, on the deeper level, it does require a person to sort of really, really get to the heart of what's going on. Like, what is it about these people, the situations, these circumstances, these moments, that really get it? Is it, like, you know, deeply personal, that it's some sort of, you know, diminishment or some sort of belittling or feeling of you feeling humiliated or, you know, less than because of what's going on around you. You feel like you deserve more, you deserve better. That's certainly possible. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just a stressful, anxious sort of time and that with time that goes away and that you know that in those spaces, in those moments when this a lot of things are sort of brewing, this is when anger sort of bubbles to the surface. And it could be that you're just not sleeping well. And so lack of sleep is sort of at the core of what's making you angry specifically today. So it's important to sort of unpack it. It's important to get to the base of it, to the root of it. And it is obviously super important to work on it, to work on it. We don't want to be angry. We don't want this to persist. It's, it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's like a disease to some degree. It has such a, like, such an impact on a person. And a lot of things that we've talked about in the space of Coaching with the Bible, about the physical impact that some of these emotions have with us. And this is one of them. Anger, as I said, when, when I feel it, I feel that sort of tension creeping into my body Right? In some cases where it's really bad, you can sort of feel like your, you know, your blood pressure start to boil and you, you just like you can't control. That is not healthy. Right? That is not a healthy space to be in. And for the most part, as the quote comes from Benjamin Franklin, anger is never without reason, but seldom with a good one. 
feel like there's more that we can do with respect to our anger and our ability to work on it, to manage it, and to control it. And so this is where we come at it here. Again, anger is an emotion, as the text says in Ethics of the Fathers, anger is an emotion that we all have. It's an emotion that we all live with. And it's not one we're expected to rid ourselves of completely. Again, Moses got angry. It was not to his, to his betterment when he got angry, obviously. God got angry, right? There's a lot of different language in the Bible around, around the subject of anger. But it is something that we can work on. It is something that we can get better at controlling, at managing, at manifesting and showing itself in different ways. I know there are people who talk about that they channeled their anger into better performance. I'm not that person. Maybe you are. Talk about athletes who their anger and their rage and their wrath and all that other stuff channeled them to some sort of great moment. It's a moment. I'm not sure I recommend it. It's also on a field of play and not in you know the everyday. So I'm not sure that that's actually the case. That's actually to our betterment. But it is something that we can work on. It is something that we can control. It is something we can do something with. It is something that when it's there, as I think the Talmud writes, it is almost a form of idol worship that we're sort of giving into something very powerful, but also something exceptionally dangerous for ourselves as a being, as a person, and the likelihood that if when we act in anger, we will regret what it is that comes out of it. And with a quote, this is from a poem called Anger by someone the name of Patricia McLaren. I don't know who she is. I saw it on a, a website that is out there from a person who works with angry people anger management, coaching people around anger, coaching people who are in addiction, working with people who are in addiction. This is what she wrote. Anger is the clash of fear, hurt, and rage. It's the feeling of madness, emptiness, and pain, of telling yourself one thing and feeling another, of hurting deep inside and layering, layering on the covers, fear of being scared, hurt, or upset, of having to face something you'd rather forget, hurt from experience or something that's hard, so you brick up your wall and you put up your guard. Rage of pain being screwed up inside, thinking that you're not good enough. Feelings can hurt, can tear you apart, can mix up your head and split up your heart. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Let's work on our anger. Let's all try to get better. And let's see you next week in Coaching with the Bible.